Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I got to tell you, I really think the series is over. I thought and told you that I believe the Warriors would come out and dominate in game two. And really, they didn't dominate until the fourth quarter when Steph Curry got hot and couldn't miss any three-point shots. But you also simultaneously felt like at no point in time were they close to losing the game. Every time that the Cavs got it remotely close, and I think five points was the closest they got it for pretty much the final three quarters of this game, you always felt like the Warriors were going to come back and hit a shot. And the Warriors didn't even seem to me to be breaking into a full-on sprint in this game. It seemed that there was no point in time where they legitimately felt like they might lose game two either. And I know the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from an 0-2 series deficit against the Boston Celtics. And I know they came back from a 3-1 deficit two years ago to win uh, the series and win the title for Cleveland. But that ain't happening here. I mean, I could come on and I could sell you as if I were in the spin zone why you need to keep watching the NBA Finals. But I think a lot of you have already tuned out. We haven't seen the numbers yet for Sunday night's game but I bet they're not going to be that great. We know already that Thursday night's game one, which was a scintillating game that went down to the absolute wire and went into overtime, it rated lower than all three of the previous Cavs-Warriors matchups. And I was sitting around over the weekend thinking about this, and I was hoping against hope that the Cavs might win game two and make this an interesting series. I was actually rooting for the Cavs to win game one and make it an interesting season. Because I always say, when the NBA Finals and the NHL Playoff Stanley Cup Final end, when you do sports talk radio like me, 
you find yourself staring off into a great abyss of nothing when it comes to sports news. I'm going to be here doing three hours every morning no matter what, but there might not be anything at all to talk about anywhere near three hours of radio. Everybody who has ever done sports talk radio, everybody who's ever listened to it, knows that feeling when you see the nightly games sail off into the distance. It's like in the Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, there's an area called uh, the Bitter End Yacht Club. It's owned by Richard Branson. They call it the Bitter End because it's the last land until you get to Europe. You stare all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. It's the very end of the Caribbean islands, and there's no more landmass to hit until you get to Europe. So you stand there on the end of that British Virgin Islands island, the Bitter End Yacht Club, owned by Richard Branson of Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Music, like all the Virgin companies, and you stare as far as you can see into the distance, and there's nothing there. That's what it feels like a bit when the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals end in the summer. It's why I've been arguing, and I'll continue to argue, that the NBA should start their series on Christmas Day and push all the way through June and July before they actually crown a champ. I would say the same thing about hockey. Why compete in any way if you don't have to? Why do it? It makes no sense. Compete with football at all. Never has made a sense. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch Johnny Manziel in the CFL. That's the most thing I'm most excited to watch now in the summer. It just makes no sense for anybody to root for this series to be awful. But this series is going to be awful, I think. There's just not very much that can be done for the Cavs to win. Now they have to win four out of five games. They're not going to win four out of five games against the Golden State Warriors. I don't even know that the Warriors are going to need to bring back Andre Iguodala. I told you before the series started, I thought it would go five. I still think LeBron and the Cavs will find a way to win game three or game four. But I think that's primarily because I don't think the Warriors have even broken a sweat yet. And I don't think, frankly, that they really have pushed themselves very hard in this postseason in general. Now you get three days to get rested up before we play game three, which is taking place on uh, Wednesday night. And then you got a Friday night game. I mean, I honestly think by the time we come back next week, it wouldn't stun me if this series was already over. And then, like I said, we stare off into the abyss. But I was thinking about this as I drove back. I spent the last two weeks down in Florida. I'm back in Nashville, back home now. And as I was driving back, you know, your dad in the car, you're driving for six or seven hours uh, back from a family vacation. You got a lot of time to sit around and think to yourself. And what I was thinking about was I couldn't escape the connection in my mind between this year's series, uh, between the Golden State Warriors and the, uh, obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the release of the movie Solo. If you're not familiar, Solo came out, I believe, on the Thursday before Memorial Day. And this was its second weekend that it's been released. And everybody's like, oh boy, man, Han Solo is insanely popular. He is, of all the characters in cinema, one of the most iconic, probably the most beloved of the entire universe of Star Wars characters. I'd be my guess. If we did a poll right now and said, who is the best uh, of the Star Wars characters? I think Han Solo would probably be, you guys vote, as the one that you like the best. So he gets his own movie, and what happens? The movie is tanking. Star Wars, the release of uh, 7 and 8, Rogue One, all of the movies that had come out since Disney bought the Star Wars franchise from George Lucas have arrived in the theaters with much acclaim. 
They have dominated at the box office. They have roundly uh, just just been sterling performers. But then something interesting happened. Solo got to the box office, and it has drastically underperformed what would have been expected. And you know what? I went and watched Solo. My boys went and watched Solo. They were excited to go see it. Almost as excited as they are to see this new The Meg. My boys are obsessed with the Megalodon. I think I talked about this, the Meg commercials that come on during the NBA Finals. They've been excited, as excited about the giant shark movie as they have been about the actual NBA Finals. We went to see Solo, and it was pretty good. I couldn't criticize it in any way. But people were just tired of it. People had just decided that they had seen enough of the Star Wars movies, and they didn't need to see it anymore. And I think partly that's because there were only about five months between the release of the new Star Wars movie and this one. I think it's also that Disney may have over-slotted all these blockbusters. You got Black Panther, you got Infinity War, obviously Deadpool 2 came out. All these different competing entertainment options from the same company were released and created as big event movies. And I think Solo has landed a bit flat. It hasn't been able to claim any of the same success that the other Star Wars movies have. And that got me thinking on this front, have we seen the same thing happen with Cavs Warriors? Because the ratings came out Thursday night, and that was as good of a game as you could possibly get from an entertainment perspective. It had the crazy ending with J.R. Smith. Everything went down flawlessly if you were scripting a really entertaining game, except... ABC and Disney and most NBA fans probably would have preferred that the Cavs win given LeBron James goes out and scores 51 points. But even though they didn't, it went to overtime. It was impossible to turn off. You had the crazy J.R. Smith ending, the likes of which we maybe haven't seen since Chris Webber at Michigan in terms of a boneheaded way to end a game. And fewer people watched game one of that series than watched any of the three game ones that had happened before. And I think it's because the general public out there doesn't feel the need uh, to watch this series. Because they saw Cavs Warriors three years ago, and then two years ago, and then last year, and they knew that this year's version of the Cavs was nowhere good enough to compete with the Golden State Warriors. And so in a competitive media environment, they weren't going to give over their time to watch this series because there was too much other things they would rather do. And I think the same thing happened with Solo. I think that in general, we have seen this film before. We aren't as excited as we have been in the past. And I think it's ominous. We'll see what happens with Sunday's game, but there wasn't any suspense last night. I think it's ominous for the NBA that this is the point in which we have reached. Right now, the Warriors are minus 2,500 to win this series. That means there's a 96% chance that they are going to win this series. There is not very much suspense out there. They can go out and eliminate all doubt by winning Game 3 and effectively ending this series like they did last year. I expect Game 3 on Wednesday night, maybe the Warriors will come out and really put in a high level of effort. Again, I think that they'll win Game 3 or they'll win Game 4 Wouldn't shock me if they won both, but I think LeBron playing at a supremely high level is going to be good enough to win one game. We've got a lot of different audio clips for you. I'm going to play them when we come back. 
I'll also ask the guys whether they buy into my theory that this is just not good enough. This is not a sequel that America was demanding. This is a little bit like Solo. It's a little bit like Ghostbusters. You can have a popular franchise, and I think LeBron's a popular blockbuster star. I think that there is no doubt that the Golden State Warriors, everybody has an opinion on them, but I don't think there's much suspense. Just like there wasn't that much suspense in the new Solo movie. It's hard to convince me that Han Solo is going to die when I know that he's going to live for another 30 years and, spoiler alert, die at the end of Episode 7. You can't convince me that he is going to have any kind of dangerous scene. I feel like that's where we are with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, you might scare me a little bit, but I know that ultimately the Warriors are going to find a way to win this series because they're a lot better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And honestly... I think the NBA free agency is going to be more entertaining than anything that happens in the NBA Finals. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's play. uh, Well, actually, let me bring in the crew. Is there anybody out there at all that believes remotely that LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers have a chance to win this series. The odds makers in Vegas and the offshores right now say there's a 96% chance that the Golden State Warriors win this series now that they're up 2-0. I think the question is, is it going to be a sweep or is it going to be a five-game series? Maybe on the outside it could end up a six-game series, although that would surprise me. I think that uh, the Cavs are going to split. I think we'll come back to Golden State and end this thing in five. What do you think, Jason Martin? I agree. I had originally said five, and I thought the Cavs would win game three, and they might. Uh, I would not be surprised if it's a sweep last night, despite the fact that Cleveland would hit a couple of buckets in a row and get it down to about six points. Then the Warriors would just, it would be either Clay or, in most cases, Steph hitting some kind of dagger three, or Durant hitting a mid-range jumper falling away from like 15 to 17 feet. And my take on it was, I never for a second believed Golden State wasn't in control of the game and it felt to me like the Cavaliers weren't trying to win it they were trying not to get blown out which eventually kind of happened and LeBron finally went and sat down on the bench he looked a little bit fatigued in the second quarter at least a little bit maybe hampered by the eye I have no idea it certainly didn't look good but the bigger takeaway for me is and I've said this before when I think of the Golden State Warriors I don't think of Kevin Durant's team I've always thought of Steph Curry's team despite the fact that Durant might be the better basketball player overall, when Steph is right, that team seems to be right. And last night he was all-time right, you know, the finals record with nine three-pointers, hitting stuff that no one should be able to hit and passing the ball ridiculously out of the pick and roll. He was all over the place. And I still wonder, somebody that's not as athletic as a lot of other players at that position, certainly not like Westbrook, for example, Curry gets to the rim because he's such a great dribbler so many more times than you would expect it really does boggle my mind but looking at the series as a whole the Cavs just don't have enough and we knew that going into the series game one was a blessing we didn't see that coming and we certainly didn't expect the histrionics and the craziness that took place in the last minute and what took place in overtime but I think that was the aberration not the rule this is more the series I think we expected to see and I think that that's probably going to continue. Five max, wouldn't be surprised if it's over in four. J.R. Smith's going to be really disappointed when somebody tells him that this series is not tied up at one game apiece. Um, Danny G, any reason at all to believe there's something more to come from this series? 
No, just to be stubborn because I said that I thought LeBron would carry the Cavs to two wins. So I had the Warriors winning this thing in six. And you're talking about JR. At least George Hill looked like he was trying to make up for that missed free throw at the end of regulation in, ga- in game one. Yeah, he, he was playing really hard. JR, on the other hand, just kind of looked like he was coasting and not smoothly. LeBron, towards the end of the game, when he uh, did you notice how exhausted he was with a towel on his face over his pink eye caused by a bacteria-filled Draymond Green fingernail? I almost felt bad for him, but then I remembered he put this squad together, plus he wore sunglasses that night with his mismatching socks and his blazer shorts. I think a lot of folks, even casual NBA fans, they, they're done. LeBron fatigue, I think, yeah, could be, yeah, could yeah. be a story. LeBronitis? Yeah, I mean, I, I think watching him win Game 7 against the Pacers, I wrote this in my Friday column. I think that the media has, the, with, with the way that it's everywhere at all times, I think it ends up making us hate the people that we should like. And and I want to, like, this to me is kind of a bigger context of, of, of story here. But the more the media covers an athlete, I think the more we get tired of them in today's day and age. Um, and what I mean by that is somebody wrote me a great question into my Friday mailbag at OutKick. You can always read what I write at OutKick.com. And he said, uh, what do you think about this philosophy? He said, you know, LeBron has been killed by ESPN. Tim Tebow was killed by ESPN. Brett Favre was killed by ESPN. In other words, the all, co- the, like kind of the perpetual coverage of them. Remember when Brett Favre, was he or was he not going to play? T.O. also had this to a certain extent. When they when ESPN had people on the front lawn of these homes and they covered the breaking news of, for instance, was Brett Favre going to play or not? And even people out there who loved watching Brett Favre, and that was, I think, the vast majority of people who are listening to us right now who, who like football at all enjoyed watching Brett Favre play for the Green Bay Packers. But the will he or want won't he version of Brett Favre, the final few years of his career, that killed, I think, for many people, Brett Favre. Now he also had uh, the scandal about did he send a naked photo or not, like all that stuff. But to me, ESPN killed Brett Favre, who was the golden goose of the NFL, by covering his retirement in such an obsessive obsessive fashion. And you can make the argument that Brett Favre was so, certainly culpable there as well in that I think Favre reveled in the attention that would he or would he not retire received. But I think that the coverage was so all-encompassing that it kind of broke Brett Favre in terms of being a popular figure. I think the same thing happened with Tim Tebow. Remember when ESPN literally could not talk enough Tim Tebow. Everything that Tebow did was a lead story on the network. And then I think LeBron has stepped into this mantle as well. And I think in the process, they have alienated and overexposed these guys to the point where, even if you like LeBron, and this is where I'm going with with this argument, I was rooting for the Pacers to win Game 7 so LeBron James wouldn't be the number one topic anymore. And then in Game 7 against the Celtics, I was rooting for the Celtics to win so LeBron James versus the Warriors would not be a story for the fourth straight year. And from a pure logic perspective, that makes no sense. I should root for LeBron because he's a better story, 
But I felt like that story, and then also, obviously, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, which you can't escape, had sort of overwhelmed the sports narrative. And and I just was thinking, I do my own show, and I don't want to talk about LeBron James for another two weeks in this series against the Golden State Warriors. And if I'm thinking that, I think a lot of you out there had to be thinking it. And by the way, the latest for ESPN, would I would say, be Colin Kaepernick. Even if you were remotely interested in the Colin Kaepernick and Anthem story, I think the ESPNs of the world have killed it. Now, I can also put FS1 in that mix because I will guarantee you, today, if you put on FS1, you will get six straight hours of LeBron James today. Six straight hours. And you will get at least six straight hours this morning on ESPN2. They literally are going to be doing the same discussion points. And I think a lot of you out there are just throwing up your hands and saying, I've had enough of it. And that's why it's kind of unfortunate in the larger context because we should be able to enjoy LeBron. But I feel like he has become like Brett Favre. And and, and by the way, and we're not even... I know what the future of my life is going to be because LeBron James 3.0 on the free agency is going to become another massive story. And that's why I've asked the question, can you imagine if Michael Jordan had never existed? Would the LeBron James talk be different? Would people appreciate him more? Or is this a function of what I believe is true, which is the NBA doesn't have a league, they got a player. And LeBron is not even big enough anymore to carry the ratings for the NBA Finals because his team is just not good enough, and anybody who watches basketball knows that. And that's why for the fourth year, we got the fourth different game and series between the Warriors and the Cavs, something we'd never seen before. And I think a lot of people are shrugging their shoulders and saying, eh, I'll find something else to do. I'll watch Billions. I'll watch the American season finale. I will watch Westworld. Sunday night, I think a lot of you tuned out on this game. I'm curious on that. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking the world of sports. I got a couple of audio clips from last night I want to play for you as well. Uh, What you got for me, Eddie? Okay, let's start with your Geico playoff report. It was game two of the NBA Finals with the Warriors leading by 13 at the half and then going on for a 19-point victory over the Cavaliers, 122-103. to Steph Curry had 33 points to lead Golden State. He also set a new NBA Finals record with nine three-pointers, breaking the old mark set by Ray Allen. As for LeBron James, 51 points in the first game. He had 29 in game number two. Golden State with the 2-0 series lead. Game three is Wednesday in Cleveland. A couple of baseball games of note. Sunday night, it was the Red Sox over the Astros, 9-3. Rick Porcello of Boston gets his eighth win of the year. That's tied for the American League lead, while Houston's Charlie Morton suffered his first loss of the season, falling to 7-1 and on the year. Meanwhile, the Mariners beat the Rays 2-1, so Seattle moves into first place in the AL West. One game up on Houston. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good deal as always. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Got a couple of different audio clips from last night's game. Uh, let me hit them for you. Let's start with uh, Ty Lue on Steph Curry doing what he does best, making really tough shots. 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he makes tough shots. That's what he does. And um, even switching the pick and roll, you know, having a five-man guard him, you know, it makes a move. You get a good contest. But once he releases it and he sees the basket, you know, he's going to make tough shots. That's what he does. And there were some ridiculous shots down the stretch. Steph Curry went five for five. And honestly, maybe you can blame Kendrick Perkins, who a lot of you didn't even know was on this team, for what he did on the bench in terms of impacting the game itself. He, Steph felt like he was uh, maybe trying to catch him not moving at all when Steph went into the into the uh, into the bench at the end of the third quarter, I think. And when he came back in the fourth quarter, he was pretty hot, scoring 16 points, setting an NBA Finals record. Ho hum, hitting nine threes overall. Uh, Oracle fans, this is pretty entertaining. Fans for the Golden State Warriors were chanting MVP for J.R. Smith last night. That's pretty funny. Here's that audio. Hearing some MVP chants from the Warriors fans. <laughs> that is pretty incredible. J.R. Smith did not show up at all in Game 2. And then LeBron, oh, LeBron, he says the odds have been stacked against him since he was five. Against me since, I don't know, since I was five, six years old. You know, we're talking about basketball here. You know, I put our, our team in position uh, to try to win a championship, to compete for a championship. You know, it's my job to make sure that we're as, as focused, as laser-focused as possible. Does anybody really think the odds have been stocked, stacked against LeBron James since he was five or six? I would understand that argument if he were an undersized quarterback. Let's say he was Russell Wilson. He's five foot eleven. Nobody thinks that a five foot eleven quarterback can make it in the uh, in the NFL. LeBron James is six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds at least. He may be the greatest physical athletic specimen in the history of our country. Right? I don't know. I mean, I mean this honestly. I don't know how many people have had the athletic gifts that LeBron James has had in the history of our country. He's Carl Malone with a point guard's ability to handle the basketball. Is it fair for LeBron James to say that the odds have been stacked against him? I, I just I don't get that art. Like I know LeBron wants to make it seem like he's a huge underdog story, but I just don't buy into LeBron James being a huge underdog story. If Baker Mayfield wants to start off in Cleveland and argue, hey, the odds were stacked against me, I would say, you know what? I believe that. You didn't get a scholarship to college. You had to walk on twice. You won the Heisman Trophy. Nobody believed in you, and you ended up going number one overall. That's the definition of the odds being stacked against you. If you want to pick a Cleveland athlete, nobody would have bought stock in Baker Mayfield when he was 16 years old and said, hey, this guy's going to be a superstar. LeBron James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16, and his nickname is King James, and he said he was the chosen one. What odds were stacked against LeBron James? Maybe because he's a product of a single parent and his family is poor? All right. But you can look at LeBron James physically as a specimen and say there aren't very many people who are going to be your size and have your strength. If you gave me LeBron James's physical body, I would be in the NBA. And I think most of you who are listening to us right now would be in the NBA too. I don't buy into this idea that LeBron James turned himself into a uh, into an NBA player. Now, did he turn himself into a superstar? Yeah, I think you can make that argument. I think you can argue, look, this guy had the raw tools to be very good, and then he turned himself into a great player. I don't doubt that at all. 
But if I were six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds, and had LeBron James's physical gifts, do you think that I wouldn't be in the NBA? Do you think that very many of you out there listening to us right now, driving into work, would not be in the NBA if you'd been born six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds like LeBron James? The guy is a work of physical art. So LeBron loves to make himself seem like some big underdog. You're not a huge underdog when you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 years old. In fact, you can just compare him to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a huge underdog. When you don't get a college scholarship, it's a huge underdog that you would go number one overall and end up a first-round draft pick. LeBron James was the number one draft pick coming out of high school at 18 years old. Everybody knew how good LeBron James was starting at like 14 and 15 years old. His high school games were highly rated on ESPN. It's not like LeBron James came out of nowhere. Does that strike anybody else as ridiculous that LeBron James is perpetually like, okay, you're down 2-0 in the series. Saying that you have been and uh, the odds were stacked against you since you were five years old, I just, I, I, I firmly reject that. Like, I don't believe that that's true at all. I think that the odds are stacked against anybody becoming a pro athlete. Okay, so if that's the standard you want to apply, 99.9% of people who play sports at the age of five are not going to be pro athletes. So yes, the odds have been stocked, stacked against you. But in terms of physical gifts, I'm not, we'll come back on the flip side and talk about this. In terms of physical gifts, I'm not sure there has ever been a more gifted athlete in the history of our country than LeBron James. I think he could play tight end in the NFL and be a Hall of Famer. I think certainly he could basically play any sport that he wants if he had started playing it at a young age and be professional. Can you imagine LeBron James if he had become a goalie in soccer? How much, I mean, I don't think anybody would ever score on him. Can you imagine him blocking shots? I don't know if he can kick. I have no idea how strong his leg is, but I bet he's got a pretty strong leg if he had practiced and developed as a goalie. I think he'd be the greatest soccer goalie of all time. Certainly, he could play in the NFL. There's no doubt about either at wide receiver or tight end. It would be almost impossible to cover him. He had the deep ball thrown to him where they missed the plug. The foul call and Ty Lue got teed up last night. They could just throw it up to him down the field every single time. I don't think anybody could outjump him. I don't think anybody would be big enough. Like He would be an incredible weapon on the football field. Maybe he couldn't do baseball. I don't know, just because the strike zone would be so massive. But I tend to think that he could play baseball too. We look at what Aaron Judge does. If LeBron James had just committed himself to hitting a baseball, I think he'd have been pretty good at it. Maybe hockey? I don't know. Maybe he's too big for hockey. I've never put on skates and played in a hockey game, so I have no idea. But in terms of the greatest physically gifted athletes in the history of our country, Maybe Shaq. Maybe you can make an argument for Shaq because he's seven over seven feet tall and because he's so athletic. Maybe Wilt Chamberlain. There aren't very many people that you can even put on the list of LeBron James in terms of being the greatest athletes of all times. So when I hear LeBron James say the odds have been stacked against me my whole life, uh, I just I understand why he wants to sell it. He wants to make everybody think, hey, uh, I, you know, nobody else could do what I did. I disagree. I think a lot of people could have. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.